0: One of my all-time favorite lines from TV is actually a eulogy for a miniature horse, and it goes something like this. Who are we? Where are we going? What is the point of all of this? These are questions little Sebastian didn't have to ask himself because he was a horse. I don't know why I find that incredibly funny, Uh, but it's also very true. Horses do not have an identity crisis. But unlike horses, we have to ask questions like that, which is what we're going to be doing this evening. Tonight we are starting a, a new series, and we're going to be talking about sexuality. And the goal of this series is to help bring some clarity on what the Bible has to say on this highly relevant and often blurry topic. Uh, but before we can talk about marriage and singleness and the LGBTQ community, we, we have to answer the question that little Sebastian was exempt from who am I? Who are we? And the reason that's so important is because our essence, who we are, shapes our ethic, what we do. And what often happens in conversations around sexuality is experience. What I feel, what I do, becomes personhood, who I am. And so what I want us to do tonight is for us to look at Who we are as the the foundation for the weeks to come. Uh, And and to do that, we're going to be in Genesis 1 26 through 28. And from our text, I want us to make three movements. I want us to look at the mirror, the distortion, and the image. Okay, so the mirror. Our text is a rather significant one, and it's worth hearing it in its entirety uh, once again. So God says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in his image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's a lot of repetition in these few verses, but the one that I want you to really pick up on is this term image. To image something means that you reflect or represent that thing. See, Uh, The kings in the ancient Near East, uh, they would typically set up images of themselves in different towns and cities as a way for them to establish their authority and to represent them in their domain. And if, if you disrespected the image of the king, it was treated like you had disrespected the king himself. And what our text is telling us is that mankind has been set up as images, as representatives of God. Uh, that is, by the way, uh, why we can say that all life is valuable. You know, If you think about it pragmatically, some lives seem to be more valuable than others. Again, pragmatically. The quarterback is more important to the team than the water boy. The young tend to be more important for society than the geriatric. However, what our text tells us is that God is not a pragmatist. He's saying that each one of us, regardless of measurables, has the capacity to reflect him and thus we are all valuable. And to disvalue an image of God is to disvalue the God they image. But what I really want to drive home and to make clear is what it means to image God. God. And the best way I can explain how this works uh, is, is really to think about it kind of like a mirror. Okay. So a mirror does not generate its own light, right? It needs, it needs a light source. And so we are to be images or reflections of God, reflections of his goodness, his character, his justice. We are to take all that and we reflect it into his creation. That's what verse 28 is all about. When it's talking about dominion over the earth and all the creatures, it's not saying you rule with an iron fist. Rather, it's saying that, that you, um, you demonstrate, you project and reflect all of God's goodness, care, justice, etc. into the world so that it flourishes. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. We are, we are image bearers made to radiate and reflect his goodness. But if you look around, you might think to yourself that I am wrong (laughs) because there is an awful lot of immorality, violence, and injustice going on. So how can we say that we are reflections, we are images of God? It's absolutely rather simple. We certainly are images of God. Uh, Just something has gone terribly wrong. There there is a distortion uh, that has taken place. In other words, sin happened. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it, it impacted all things, including our ability to image God. And sometimes we talk about this, that, that whenever Adam and Eve fell during the fall, that the image of God was, um, was marred or broken. And the, the problem with that is it implies that something has been lost, and that only those who accept Jesus have regained it. In other words, I am more valuable than someone who's unsaved. That's not what and that's inconsistent with what we see in Scripture. Sinners are, st- are made in the image of God as much as you and I are. Uh, they still have the capacity to reflect his character and goodness. And so what happened when we sinned is the focal point, the thing that we are reflecting, has changed. Remember, mirrors can't generate their own light. Uh, they have to reflect something. Their significance is really tied up in the thing that re- they reflect. And that's, that's true of us as well. We are our creatures that are dependent on something else for our significance. Whatever we choose to glorify, whatever we choose to find our significance and value in, we end up reflecting that back into the world. And what we've done when we sinned is we have changed what we're reflecting to an insufficient source. And that ends up bringing destruction rather than flourishing. Uh, Let me try to illustrate. Let's say say that instead of God, you substitute something else to give you significance. Um, Let's say it's your parents. Uh, Your life has meaning if your parents love and approve of you. Well, they're just like you. They are creatures that were never meant to shoulder that kind of weight, Uh, which means that you have to do things to get them to work correctly. Uh, you have to to lie to them and present only the parts that you think will gain their approval. Uh, or, Or you have to criticize and nitpick them constantly because they aren't loving and providing for you the way you need them to. And so rather than reflecting God's goodness and character into the relationship, what ends up happening is you end up crushing it and being miserable in the process because you are asking them to do something they were never meant to do. And that's, what happens, that's what's happened when we've rebelled against God. We have looked to other things for our significance, and in so doing, we've distorted the image of God. We're reflecting the wrong things, and it is reflecting nothing but chaos and destruction out into the world. And so, what really is going on at the end of the day is we have an identity crisis. And so, our question has to be what can be done about that? How do we right the mirror? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a clue to that uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 1. So Colossians chapter 1, I'm reading verse 15. He's talking about Jesus. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So that Jesus is is the ultimate, the perfect image of God, which means that, that he perfectly reflects Who God is, all of God's character and goodness and justice, et cetera, because He is God. And when we look at Jesus, He shows us all of that perfectly. And that actually can refocus our our mirror. Here's how that works when we behold Jesus becoming human, being tempted as we are, yet without sin, being brutalized on the cross for us, we not only see God's holiness. We see his love for us. Have you, ever, have you ever taken a magnifying glass and like fried an ant? Okay, yeah. The reason that works is because you take the entire essence, all of the glory of the sun, and you focus it, you concentrate it on a tiny little spot, right? And it just destroys everything in its path. Jesus is the great magnifying glass of God. Uh, not that he destroys you, <laughs> Thank goodness for that. But he frees you. (laughs) That that Jesus so concentrates the character and goodness and care and love and justice of God onto us that it melts our hearts. It realigns the mirror so that we can accurately reflect God's character and goodness. And when we grasp this, when we experience it, it it turns the mirror. It allows us to, to reflect all this back into the world as we were made to do. And, and all of this conversation around the image of God and who we are, it has two, two applications, two conclusions that set us up for the uh, upcoming weeks. Uh, first, everyone is made in the image of God. You know, I was at, um, I was at dinner last week, actually. Uh, with a family, and, and the par- one of the parents was saying how you know, they don't judge anyone for their life decisions, they, they do what they want to do, until one of their kids chimed in, yeah, except for the such and such group, we make fun of them. And I, I hope you see like, the error in that logic, that regardless of the defi- decisions people make, sexual or otherwise, they're still image bearers they're still incredibly valuable in the eyes of God and should be in our eyes as well. They deserve the same value and care that God has extended to us in Jesus. We have to keep that in mind anytime we're having conversations in general, but specifically around the topic of sexuality. Second, you yourselves are made in the image of God. And for some of you, you just need to let that sink in. <laughs> you are made in the image of God. The old mantra rings true. God made you special, and he loves you very much. Embrace that. Accept it. Believe it. It's true of you. And for others of us, we need to be challenged to start living like we are images of God. We need to ask ourselves, what exactly are we reflecting out into the world? out into our spheres of influence. Is it really God's goodness, his character, his justice, or is it something else? Over the, ne- over the next week, we're going to build on all of this and see how identity relates specifically to our sexuality, how being made in the image of God impacts how we understand our sexuality. But, but for now, I just want us to sit here with who we are and who we are, again.